0: think we've decanted for long enough it's time to sit back and enjoy two sharp reds with mark schwarzer and ollie Giel. that's it the two sharp reds ollie mark we're back mark thoughts on that new intro i've just been trying something a little different this week i thought right we're not going to muck around straight to the point simple words mark ollie sharp reds we're back it's monday let's go
1: why not Let's go. Let's get on with, you know, it's been a, it's been a hectic week of football, weekend of football, really. Well, week. It, well, the bonanza, we're we'll tail of the bonanza,
0: back into normal proceedings.
1: Let's be honest, it's been a bonanza for the last year, even though it's been behind closed doors, most of the games, um, it's just been everywhere you look, there's been football. There's been very rarely a time where there's not been football on.
0: No, I remember, I, I think I remember a Wednesday and sitting there going, well, now what, now what do I do? Like, you it's imagine? funny, you know. What on a do?
1: weekend, isn't amazing, right? So obviously, people are not going to games. But on a weekend, you can watch every single game on TV, yes. which is kind of one of those things. You go, I can get used to this.
0: But you got to remember as well. It's been X amount of years since you've uh, been in Australia. I am still used to that more than I am the three o'clock kickoff rule.
1: Yeah, but so. it's even more so now. So every single game, I don't think there is a game that. Well, very rarely has there been a game that. Is played at the same time. No. So you genuinely yeah. can watch every game. But again, I'll also say watching on TV with no fans is pretty rubbish. And then going to a stadium and watching and working on a game is even worse in terms of no fans. Yeah. It's great being there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I feel very fortunate enough to have the opportunity to be in a stadium as it was on, on, on Saturday um, against, you know, Chelsea against West Brom. I mean, what a game to be there for like mm. a game that, Nobody thought it would happen. The amount of goals that were scored, it was a really good game of football to watch. Um, even though, obviously, I'm more in the Chelsea uh, you know, end, yeah. but I'm still enjoying the football because I thought West Brom were actually brilliant. And I know you're going to do a stitch-up with me.
0: No. no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually not going to do no. it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Here on the Two Shut Reds, we love trying a bottle of the Burgundy grape. And then, as we just talk about what we think of it, we'll compare flavours, notes, uh, smells, experiences, and then at the end of the episode, we'll compare that bottle of wine to a player past or present. And this week, uh, I've gone for an Italian select, Maremma Toscana, only because last week uh, we were talking about Italy and we are talking about you, know, like Tuscany and some of the beautiful places and how we would be desperate to go and do some sharp reds in Italy. Yep. And it's been on my mind all week. So I'll be going for this exquisite Italian red, velvet tones, youthful statement of elegance bit of a cinnamon tone as well as vanilla but cinnamon's not been a flavor we've touched on for a while now so i thought that was important. No. important to have
1: very nice well i've gone i've gone back across the atlantic so i've gone i think you were there last week weren't you you were in a, you,
0: you in were in the, at the napa valley yeah oh yes the, i was in napa, napa. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah so well well i'm i'm going for for another i'm going for a napa valley as well um it's the stag's leap hand of time red blend 2017. This is actually a really interesting bowl of wine. Um, Stag's leap. uh, The the producer of the wine shocked the world and beat the finest Bordeaux in the legendary judgment of Paris in 1976. Uh, Ever since has become uh, some of the most collected wines in the world. This Bordeaux blend really shows why they demanded the respect of those wine critics 35, 34 years ago. So, uh, Notes of dark fruit and chocolate truffle. Mm. Interestingly, try this with pork tacos. Cheers to that, Mark.
0: Cheers. All right, Mark, let's get stuck into the Premier League for the first time in two weeks now, which is very exciting. We've got games that we need to talk about. And of course, uh, with the time difference, we like to maybe just focus on the Sunday games. Uh, And I want to start with Manchester United versus Brighton. And I'll start with a quote from the main man, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. by the way, it used to be my nickname at school, Ole Gunner.
1: Just No way.
0: Because I was, I was a you know fan of the Gunners. My name was Ollie, And I think the, my mate who made it up was a United fan. So, okay. you know, sort of yeah. makes sense. He said, right. <clears throat> pre-game, we have two number one goalkeepers. Now, I've heard this before when, you've, when people have said, we've got two very good goalkeepers, or we've yep. got two goalkeepers that are pushing each other. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I remember a time we've had, you know, a a team like Manchester United, for example, openly admit that they've got two number ones. Was that a slight, was like maybe the wrong way of saying it? Or do you think he genuinely means they have two number ones?
1: Well, what he's saying is he's got two goalkeepers that are capable of being number ones. And what he's doing is he's not saying one is out and out number one. And he's, and, and he's backing it up now. I mean, he hadn't done it up until this point. This is the first time throughout the season where he's actually gone, right, um, Dean Henderson goes in, does well, and has done reasonably well after De Gea has been away in Spain, and he's going to keep him in there. Because if he were to take Henderson out and put De Gea back in again straight away, that would be sending the clear message that De Haas my number one and Henderson, you are number two. And I think you know, there's no doubt to me that Henderson would have been been saying that he'd be out. You know, he wanted to, to be out the club, out the door, come the summer. So they're trying to manage the situation, and he believes obviously playing Henderson is is uh, not going to hinder them. And obviously the results have shown they haven't. And he's and he's um, you know he's a, he's a goalkeeper. To be fair, they're very similar. I have to say they're both goalkeepers that both pretty much stay on their six yard. Uh, sorry, say stay in their six yard box. Don't come out very often. Um, they're line goalkeepers. So as as people would say, this, the throwaway comment, great shot stoppers. Um, yeah. But if you're a goalkeeper and you're not a great shot stopper, then you're not really a good goalkeeper, are you? Because that's the bare minimum that you need to do is actually stop the ball. Um, so the, the pair of them are, are very good on their line. Neither of them like to come off their line very much. Neither of them uh, are dominating their 18-yard box. Um, they're both pretty decent with their feet. Then United don't really play a lot out at the back. Um, they play bits and pieces, but not a real lot. So they do a bit of a, a varied game, um, predominantly more, I think, knocking the ball along. And they don't tend to be uh, too advanced in their position. So when United are in the tack, they don't tend to be playing that really, really high sweeper-keeper uh, position. They tend to drop before anything. So that's the one. I mean, that's the thing I would say. The criticism I would say about both those goalkeepers is they they don't dominate their box enough, and you see it more and more um, with with, you know with both of them playing, and particularly now with Henderson, we're getting a bit more of an idea, and I think he's more under the spotlight now that he's at United rather than at Sheffield United. Um, And uh, you're seeing it more and more, and it's interesting because nobody says anything about it in the press. Nobody actually points out ball comes in the box. Nobody ever mentions that any mentions more goalkeeper should have come for that, should have come and commanded that ball. you look got the other end, Robert Sanchez. Robert Sanchez, how he dominated his 18-yard box. It was brilliant. But nobody says a word. All they say is, oh, that's easy ball for Sanchez to come and collect. But at the other end, same ball comes in the box. They don't come out. There's no comment of, hang on, why isn't the goalkeeper coming out and, and, and relieving the pressure off the team? They just don't do it.
0: Why not? Any reason?
1: Um, I, I really don't know. In the past, there used to be a lot more of, of that kind of criticism or, or critique. Um, I, I really don't know. I don't know whether a lot of play, most of the guys that are, that are commentating, um, who are doing the analysis, most of them are outfield players. Maybe they don't feel confident enough to talk about the goalkeeping position in that more, far more detail. Um, Even when I see goalkeepers on the panel, I I don't very often hear them talk about coming out and commanding their own yard box. Mind you, a lot of the goalkeepers that are on the panel are goalkeepers that they themselves didn't come off their line very much. So they don't really mention it. So, yeah, it's interesting. Really interesting.
0: So just back to that that quote, I feel like I've missed something because... I was always under the impression that De Gea was absolutely the number one goalkeeper.
1: I know that there have two. No, good I don't think he was absolutely. He was absolutely up until the beginning of the season. And, and, and Ollie has said it right from the off that, you know, the, there's nothing between the two, but De Gea is going to start as a number one for now. And it's up to, you know, it's based on performances. And I have to say, and I, and I think I've said it earlier on in the shows, um, is that, or early on, early on in the season, is that De Gea's performances have lifted. Mm. since Dean Henderson's been at the club because he genuinely knows that he's under pressure that he has to perform. And I don't think that's a case of last season he thought, no, I've got the number one position, I don't have to worry. I don't think that is the case. It's just sometimes you need that extra bit of a pressure. You need that bit of a kick. Um, you need to know that someone is breathing down your, your, your neck and they're not going to be happy with sitting on the bench. They're, not, they're not going uh, to they're, they're ruffle feathers. If they think that you're not playing particularly well, they'll be banging on the door saying, hang on a second, you know, you say that I'm there to put pressure on him, but he's not playing well and hasn't played well for a while. Why am I not given an opportunity? Or he knows that come a cup game, then he's going to be out of the side and the next one steps up. And if he plays well, there's a chance if I'm playing badly and he's playing well, that he's going to keep his place. And uh, if you ask uh, Solskjaer, you'll probably tell you that this has been the one opportunity where he's had really throughout the season, where he can say, okay, for reasons being that he's, Obviously, De Geo went back to Spain and missed a couple of weeks. Therefore, it opens up the opportunity for Henderson to stake a claim and, and to keep
0: his place in the side. So, Man United take on Tottenham uh, next weekend. Same, uh, we'll, we'll see Hendo between the sticks then, I'm assuming? Yeah, because... that won't
1: change. I, I, can't, no. I can't see it changing. I, I mean, there's no reason to change it. They won on the weekend. They did a, a good enough job. If, if Oli is true to his word, you know... has had performances similar and he's still kept him in the team. So there's no
0: reason for me why he would change it. Good game uh, between Manchester United and Brighton. The other storyline I want to focus on was, look, he's a friend of the show. He hasn't been on, uh, but he's a friend of the show. He's a friend of the nation. He's a friend of, you know, uh, Arsenal, my team. You know, he's... I don't think anyone doesn't like this man. It's Danny Welbeck. He's... Right. Mate, I love him. But... Yeah, what could have been it? Just makes me sad every time I see him kick a goal. I'm like, oh, mm. I know that that's almost you know, it doesn't make sense because that means he's, he's doing well, but you know, it's just so few and far between. So frustrating. He must sit there just going, This is one of the most frustrating careers ever.
1: Yeah, it, it must be difficult. Um, we've seen it, you see it throughout time. You know, there's been lots and lots of players who have had that stop starting continuously throughout their career due to injuries. And it's tough, you know. We saw it with, you know, our own Harry Kuehl throughout his, particularly the latter stages of his careers. There were, there were lots of breakdowns of injuries. And, and it's that you feel like you've taken a couple of steps forward and then get knocked back again. Um, and then that must be very, very difficult to, to handle. Um, you know, Michael Bridges same you know his his whole career was
0: hindered because of injuries mm. continuously being injured um and no, and just no consistency with types of injuries as well which I would imagine I mean what's more frustrating if you've got a if you've got a crook knee and you keep doing that same knee but everything else is okay or well, mm. what's more frustrating than that or just everything goes one at a time left knee right knee ankle, Uh, Achilles,
1: uh, uh, shoulder. I think think when you've got different injuries, I think if you've got the one injury that's always giving way or always having problems with, it's about finding the right way to manage that one injury. I think if you keep, like you you have one injury, say you do a calf and then you come back and then your groin goes, there there is also a relationship. So if it's the same, even if it's not the same leg, so regardless, often then it's about am I, it's the uh, biomechanics, am I compensating mm-hmm. um, for the injury? And have I, have my, has my running style changed because of the injury? And therefore now the other parts of my body are struggling to cope with it. So therefore there's been more pressure on it, more stress on it. And, and then there's a breakdown in that area. And I think that, that it becomes a little bit more complicated. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, any injury is a nightmare. I've, I've had, I've had some injuries throughout my career as well and, and pretty serious ones, but fortunately all, all ones that I'd been able to recover from and none of them really have been reoccurring, which is, which is always great. So you kind of, you have the injury, you're unlucky, you sustain it, you recover, you, you, you get over it. And more often than not, most of the time, I think pretty much all the times, I, I didn't have a recurrence other than breaking bones. So I've broken thumbs, but that's an impact thing. It's not like there's a weakness because I have never broken in the same area, same spot. You know, I may have broken the other a bone on the other hand, um, but that's just you know that's just uh, the nature of the position. Um, whereas if players continuously injure the same the same knee, yeah, it's
0: that's a that's a problem. Tottenham two, Newcastle two. Now I've got a good theme going on here where I've got some good quotes for the day we've heard from Ollie, and it's time to hear from yep. Jose. I'm the same coach, just different players. Yeah, Mark, read into it what you will go. Yeah, someone would argue that, that you
1: need to evolve as a coach. Sure. So throughout your career, and the longer you're a manager or a coach, the more you kind of have to evolve. And I think one of the things that, that uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, um, I suppose, was complimented on the most Well, I say the most, um, obviously complimented on the the ability to win things, right, which was second to none, right? But the other part of it was the evolution, the continuous changing. So whether that was identifying that I need to change my assistant manager every couple of years, the changing of personnel, um, rotating his squad, knowing which players to keep and which players to move on. Um, which players to then bring in to lift the rest of the players. Um, he did that incredibly well. Yeah, of course, there, there are examples of ones where he, where he made mistakes or didn't quite work out. I mean, you look at all the great managers, Arsene is exactly the same. You know, there's some unbelievable stories of success in developing players, bringing players through, players that were struggling elsewhere, came to Arsenal, Thierry Henry a great example, Nicholas, Nicholas Anelka. Half a million pounds they paid for him, and and, and look at the player he became. Um, you know the list goes on. Manchester United you know, did exactly the same thing with with uh, with Sir Alex Ferguson, but even probably more successful. But he he continuously evolved, and he he was able to to bring in the right people to help him evolve and become better, and his management of players. One could possibly argue that it was similar the way all the way through, um, because he ruled with a pretty much a, an iron iron fist. Yeah. And I suppose when you read when you read uh, what he wrote about uh, Yap Stam, for example, that he made a mistake in getting rid of him. But at the time, he was upset about uh, Yap Stam coming out and talking about how he got tapped up by Sir Alex Ferguson. And pretty much that was—I mean, I don't. That, it seemed from outside that was the beginning of the end. And then not long afterwards, he moved out of the club. He was moved out of the club. And I think what he did really, really well was throughout his whole managerial career is that he, he was able to evolve and identify and um, revitalize the squad all the time. With Jose, I suppose the, one of the biggest criticisms directed towards him is that inability or seemingly inability to evolve. Is he still managing like he did, you know, 10 years ago? I I don't think he is, Um, but he certainly, certainly has, has, has found it difficult. I think with the different types of generation of players coming through and it's right in saying that, of course he may say, well, I'm not saying it's right. So he'll say that he is the same manager, the same person, the players are different, which is also right because you know, there's a different club, different personnel, of course. Um, but it just obviously is an overwhelming sense of frustration that he's doing all the stuff that he always has done and has had success in the past. But with this group of players, it seems to be going backwards again with it. You know, it doesn't seem like it is sinking in with some of these players. Some of these players are not taking on the information. That's, I think, how he feels about it. One could argue that the information he's given is potentially not up with the times maybe maybe not enough maybe not good you know maybe maybe it's the wrong information for those group of players and then so part of the art is identifying the type of personnel you have the type of character you have and knowing which information to give them knowing which player you can give how you can speak to certain players what sort of information you can give to them whether or not it can be a little bit more in depth or whether it's got to be very, very basic depending on the person that you're speaking to because everyone deals with information differently. Some people learn by observation. Some people learn by showing it on a board. Um, but in practice, I mean, sorry, by pr- practice or by observation. And, and most of the time you need to try and I've, been, I've had managers that, that, have, that have done one or the other. So I've had managers that walk through it with you on the training pitch, very few actually. Most of them will want to try and show you on a board and won't go out on the football field and necessarily practice it. And even then, they won't even show you on a board. They'll just tell you, right? This is what we're going to change. We're going to change this little bit, and that's it. That's all you need to do, but won't actually work on it on a training field. So, my experience with Jose Mourinho is that he'll talk about his tactics, he'll show it to you. You go out in the training field, and all the sessions will be based around those. So for me, the answer is that the players are no longer taking on the information or some of the players are not taking on the information anymore. And then the question is why are the players not taking or why are some of the players not taking on the information? That is the big question. And I suppose for a long, long time now, that, that has been also the big criticism that's been directed at Jersey is that some periods of time that players he has fallen out with players. And then you would also argue and say that's partially because him coming out and being so vocal about the players' performances.
0: One positive thing to come out of that game from a Tottenham perspective was, of course, two goals uh, once again for Harry Kane. He's an absolute freak. But recently, uh, as we know, exactly seven days ago, <laughs> exactly seven days and a few hours actually after we did the podcast, we found out that Aguero... Uh, would be finishing up his time at Manchester City. Fr- very frustrating timing from him. But of course, uh, w- uh, when that news came out, we started talking about, right, is he the best Premier League striker of all time? And it comes down to either him or Henri, really. was That was sort of what I was picking up on as two of the main ones. But I'm starting to think now, if Kane can have five more seasons like this, he'd, have to, he'd almost have to be, the best Premier League striker. He, he's a freak. I mean, I still think his celebration is woeful, but I won't let you know <laughs> that cloud my judge, judgment on him, him as an actual footballer. But he's a freak.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking, he's 27 years old. So there there, there is a chance he could go to his, what, 32? Yeah. And five more seasons of, of scoring.
0: Particularly because he's goals. changing his game, right? You know, and he's going, okay, well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I mean, the assist columns going through the roof as well, isn't it? I mean, thirteen assists this season, uh, nineteen goals in the league. Um, it's not bad going, is it? Really, let's be honest. <laughs> Thing is, he scored um, before yesterday's game, um, so including yesterday's game. Now he's been involved in forty-five goals for Tottenham this season in all comps in forty-one games. That's ah, not bad, is it?
0: No, no, it's not bad.
1: Imagine if, um, and, and and when asked. About his future. In the past, he's always said that he's happy at Tottenham and he has a contract at Tottenham. and Everything else, and now he's saying about talking about waiting till after the Euros before he's going to just talk about his future. This is the moment. This is the pivotal moment for Tottenham fans, for for Tottenham club, for the club, and for Harry Kane. Because you look at them right now, and I and I think he's generally waiting to see how the remainder of the season. Uh, you know sort of kind of plays out they're, they're in the, the League Cup final as we know, but they're playing Manchester City the way that Spurs are playing at the moment, you can only see that Manchester is going to win it, mm-hmm. but we know come a final, that's very different, it's a one-off you know, potentially 120 minutes plus penalties if it goes that far um, away from a result and teams have shown it in the past. Wigan have caused upsets. Not that I'm saying that, that the, the difference between Man City and, <laughs> I, and sorry and Spurs is that great, like, like Wigan yeah. was at the time uh, with Man City. But still, there is at the moment a, a real thought that, you know, I think belief in a lot of people is that, that Man City is going to win that comfortably. Um, but you can never write Jose Mourinho off when it comes to one-off games in a final. But if Spurs were not to win that, not to qualify for Europe come the end of the season, there's going to be a lot, a lot of questions being asked. Mm. And there'll be a lot of decisions to be made. And, And I think equally for the club to decide on, off the back of a pandemic, do we now cash in on our prized asset? Because he wants to leave. He wants to go on to something else where... He generally has an opportunity. Of course, we believe we're going to have a chance. We have the right people in in place that we could win trophies. But are they generally how far away are Tottenham from winning the Champions League or winning the Premier League? At this moment in time, I think they're a long, long way away from it. Hmm. How far are they winning away from winning a cup competition? No, I mean that that can happen. That that can I think any number of teams could win that. So. They're in with a shout and come in a couple of weeks' time We maybe you sit there going, yeah, well, Tottenham won the League Cup. And is that enough then? Is that enough to appease someone like Harry Kane? Hmm. I well, actually think, I think, personally, if he wants to go on and become an absolute Spurs legend, an absolute, like an absolute god of Spurs, he will commit the rest of his future at the club and never leave a club, Right. But if he wants to become an absolute legend of a player, and I still think he'll be held in high regard by Spurs as one of their best players ever, if, it, if it's done the right way. I think he'll move on because it's not about money anymore it, for him. You know, it's, he's a, I'm sure he's a wealthy guy. And, and of course, you're not playing just for, for the sake of playing. You are playing to, to an income, of course. But now it's a case of looking at his trophy cabinet. Yeah. He'd be looking at his trophy cabinet and go, personal accolades are pretty good, but the rest is bang average. Pretty poor for a player of his level. So he's at a point at a crossroad now. There's got to be some incredibly good convincing going on for, for Spurs to be able to keep hold of him.
0: Sorry, I was sorry, just going to say, you think about saying, some of those other players that we're talking about yeah. here in in, you know, They've all had moments, haven't they? Whether it be winning the Premier League, whether it be Henri winning it at Tottenham, there's a legacy. Whether it's Aguero's goal to draw against QPR, all these players have had moments that have created that legacy, whereas at Tottenham, Kane's just been very, very good. But there's not... Do you know what I mean? There's not been... Got to Champions League final.
1: Helped Spurs get to a Champions League final, but then was injured and came back and probably shouldn't have started but you know yeah. what I mean yeah you're right you're right um came second in the premier league behind leicester yeah that was the opportunity that was the moment um yeah it it's it's scary and as a, as a as a neutral <clears throat> as a player and and, and you know the, the difficulty for me is that it's difficult for me to talk about i, I i'm like so many other foreign players I don't have a team that I genuinely support. I didn't grow up supporting necessarily. I supported the odd teams here and there, of course, but it changed, it fluctuated due to players that were playing there. Whether it was Liverpool when I was a kid because Craig Johnson was playing there um, to supporting a couple of German teams throughout the time because my dad did. And it's difficult for a player who is is from that area, who's played his whole career at one club and is genuinely a supporter of that club. Um, to make that decision, because you're making—I mean, Jack Grillish is another one in terms of Aston Villa. You know, he, he is a Villa fan through and through. So the decision to move on is so much more difficult. Look at when Steven Gerrard was talking about leaving Liverpool. Mm. The emotion that was involved in that in that decision at the time, the moment. Yeah. I mean, he had there were there were threats against his family mm. because there was there was serious talk of him potentially leaving Liverpool. If I were Harry Kane, it's easy to say it from this area, from where I am sitting, but I would still be thinking, you know what? I've, it's not that I haven't given everything I possibly can to try and be successful at this club. Mm. It's just not going to happen. Or if we are going to be successful, it's going to be the odd little thing here and there. Won't be long. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search Geg and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D. The Geg and Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds.
0: Half-time drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds, uh, and I think it's coming a good time because when we're just crossing over into Europe, it wets my palate. I'm very excited to talk about Outside the Premier League, uh, which we'll get to, but how are you enjoying your red? I'm loving my Toscana, absolutely loving it.
1: It's taking you back to Italy, isn't it? It's taking oh, yeah, you back it to your time there, going to the see, vineyard. Yeah, see, yeah, That's all I know. <laughs> I think you're going to say C as in yes, see, This is what happened.
0: No, 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 no. C as, as in yes. yes. Yeah. yeah,
1: I get it. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm 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 really enjoying my Stags' leap. Um, really, really nice. Bottle of wine. I can see why it won that award back in 1976.
0: I can really see that. Okay, let's get uh, stuck back into the football, Mark. And it's time that we spend the second half on the continent. Uh, You touched on the loss uh, for PSG against Lille. Neymar red card. But also, I've heard rumours. I've heard rumblings, Mark, that he's signed or he's agreed. We signed an agreed pre-contract to stay with PSG. Just yeah, I don't
1: think it's a pre-contract. It would, it would it just, well, in principle, probably agree. In agreed.
0: principle, okay, yeah. Yeah,
1: I, would, I wouldn't have thought a, pre, a pre-contract a pre would be if he were going to be leaving, Uh, if his contract was, sh- had run out and he was sure. going to leave. So sure. I think in principle, he's agreed to stay. Yeah, so it's funny because over the last probably six to 12 months, his whole tone's completely changed. So from almost day one, he's been talking about wanting to leave PSG or the rumbling had been going on about him leaving PSG. And then all of a sudden, in the last sort of six months or so, he's been talking about wanting to stay. It's like, well, yes, no, yes, no, go in, stay out. I don't know. It sounds like the government over here.
0: Sure. Um, Ooh, satirical. <laughs> Bit of a satire program, too, so, Sharp Reds.
1: Yeah, Jesus.
0: Yeah,
1: um, well. Visit a friend, don't visit a friend, go inside, don't go outside. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm all confused. And I'm the same with the Neymar situation. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know there's a fortune. They, they paid for him. They invested in him. Um is it is the guarantee of success? Well, certainly isn't because this season it doesn't look like they're going to win the league. Mm. Um Europe, they got very close last season. Will they do it this season? Who knows? Um, it's gonna be very, very tough for them. Um is he worth that? Maybe, maybe in revenue, maybe in 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 merchandise, probably. Um, exposure. But I would have thought Mbappe is worth it more than Neymar. But then yeah. it seems like Mbappe's made a lot of noise about potentially moving on, mm-hmm. uh, running down his contract and, and leaving. So maybe they know that's the case. Um, if Mbappe were to leave, they might sell him in the summer, maybe get a bit of money for him and then maybe look to bring in someone like Harry Kane. Who knows?
0: And if Neymar signs an extension, he'd almost become, in terms of the modern era of PSG, he'd become the first proper legend of the club in terms of let's say the last 20 years, Um, you know, a little bit like Cities, you know, transition period, Aguero sort of becomes that. I don't
1: know. I don't know. Um, In terms of silverware, surely someone like Thiago Silva would be more, having been more successful, being there. He was there longer and they won more things. He'd won more things. That's because of the the period of time that he's been there. I think, I'm pretty sure. it's possibly one or two other players that are sort of e- of equal status as, as Thiago Silva, if Neymar were to stay another four years, say three years, four years, and repeat similar, then maybe yeah, maybe maybe you might be right. I'm not really sure. Um, the thing is, the likes of someone like Neymar were brought in to try and win European, the, you know, win the yeah. win the uh, the Champions League, and obviously they went very very close last season, um, but they still haven't done it. Um, and I think that's if if they if PSG win the Champions League in the next couple of years and Neymar plays his part in that, then yes. If they don't, I still it'll be it'll be seen as one of their greats. But I don't think well, he'll be seen as a, as a great player. I've played for for PSG. Will he be seen as a legend? I, I
0: don't think so. Let's uh, move to the east of the map, and it's my mm-hmm. it's a, this is actually my favourite segment. On the show. And we don't like segments normally, do we? We're not a segment-based program. No, not really, no. But it's I think off the cuff naturally the this segment has sort of developed. Okay. And it's uh, checking in with the Bundesliga and, yeah. uh, and checking in with Schalke. Certainly it's a segment for this year. And uh, my man, Mustafi, likely has played his last game for Schalke after falling out with their manager and mysteriously not being included in the lineup mark
1: yeah you know what like so is that a um, is that a consequences of his, his his part in the supposed part i'm 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 not i don't know 100% the supposed part in the sacking of christian gross the last manager that supposedly mustafi um and Klesniak went to the club and said, they need to get rid of that. That was what was reported. I, I can't confirm nor deny that's the case, but um, that was what was reported. So is this then our consequences of that? The new manager coming in and going, you know what, do I want a player that won't, you know, maybe a bit upset, a bit unhappy with the way that I coach train and then go behind my back to the club. That, that could well be the case. I don't, I don't know. Um, did he make a difference? Certainly
0: not results wise. It has to be one of the worst loan spells ever. It's gone miserably for him. And you can't imagine. Yeah. Where would someone like a Mustafi go post Shaoka? After this, nightmare at Arsenal. Nightmare with Shauka. Yeah. He's, what, was it was
1: it a nightmare
0: at Arsenal? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I think his brand was incredibly hurt. And this cannot yeah. help. No, no. Well,
1: the, I, I'm, I'm actually I was really, really surprised with him going to Schalke. I really was, um, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, listen, Schalke is an enormous, enormous club. Massive, huge tradition. Big, big club. As is Hamburg, and Hamburg are in the, in the second division and have been struggling year after year to get back up. The pressure is enormous. Um, a little bit, yeah. Uh, I suppose, and I was surprised he went to Schalke um, because of the situation that they find themselves in. And it's not like... It's not like Schalke have had a bad six months, and they've found themselves just through a little bit of unluck- being unlucky, a couple of bad decisions. Schalke are where they are because of probably two or three years of really poor decisions, financially struggling. Whether it's mismanagement or not, I don't know, um, but really, really making bad decisions financially, um, gambling massively on trying to qualify for the Champions League and, and failing. I mean, we it's almost like Leeds United-esque um, back, you know, in the 2000s. Um, Sch- Schalke are in dire straits financially. So, there's some serious, serious questions, obviously, that I'm sure are being asked and, and trying to be answered. So, to go, Duffy, for someone like Mustafi to go there from Arsenal to a club where you know the last two, three years has been a shambles, it didn't look like anything was going to change between now and the end of the season. Um, was was quite strange, and and is that is that an indication that or an indicator that he had very little other offers or opportunities, or were the other opportunities with clubs of lesser names, lesser stature, and therefore chose Schalke instead? Because if if the unthinkable kind of happened, um, almost the impossible happened, that they stayed up, you know, you'd be classed as an absolute legend, which which is true. Um, yeah, strange decision, and and again, um, a player that in Germany, I think. Still had a decent name. Um, but his now appearance there at Charlica and the circumstances and the press surrounding his in, supposed involvement in the in, in the former manager's sacking
0: can't have done any, any good at all. Mark, we've gone international, back into domestic, mm-hmm. and then before you know it, we're Champions League and Europa League this week. I cannot wait. We've got Real Madrid taking on Liverpool, City, and Dortmund, but of course, the big game that we'll all be looking out for uh, is Bayern Munich taking on PSG. And so, how do you suggest you go about replacing someone like Lewandowski temporarily? What is is there well, a formula?
1: Well, Chipping Moting came in and started against Leipzig, and and, and it was more about. I mean, I, listen, Chipping Moting is is what he is. You know, it's, it's not gonna he's not going to do. He's certainly not a Lewandowski. Of course, he's not. Um, but he's a really honest player, hardworking, decent target man, and can make a nuisance of himself. Is he a player that will have a big impact starting from the off? Not really. And that, and I think that's that's a bit of the the negative side of him. But he's still a great player to have around in your squad and a, a player that contributes immensely um, uh, to the squad. And 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 surely any team that misses a like Robert Lewandowski is going to, is going to feel it. Um, fortunately for Bayern, they've got other attacking options in terms of the wide players. Um, Thomas Muller's fit as well, so he can kind of float in and around that position as well, as he always does. So I still think that they've got enough Bayern. I still think they're, they'll be... I think they'll still be too strong for PSG. Uh,
0: have you played a team that you've lost in a final before, like a rematch of sorts? Have I played them again? Yeah. So as in like, I, I'm just interested in, into the psychology of a PSG, you know, in this situation. Oh,
1: sorry. Yeah. So I, yeah. So 2010 with Fulham, we lost to Atletico Madrid in the final of the Europa League after it, uh, at, at, towards the end of extra time, they actually scored the winner. Um And then I moved to Chelsea and then we played against Atletico Madrid uh, over two legs in the semi-final of the Champions League. And we drew 0 nil-nil away in Madrid and we lost um the home league 3-1. But, I mean, you know, that was a side that... They were a they were very, very good side, Atletico Madrid. And that was the time they made a couple of finals in a row. Um, you know, Diego Costa uh, playing for them, leading the line. Tieva Courtois was in goal for Atletico, even though he was a Chelsea player, um, which was a bit of a bit of a boo-boo. Um, but, yeah, they, they were very, very good. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've, I've played that's the one team at Letico Madrid have, have kind of been a bit of a nemesis for myself.
0: And so psychologically gives you that extra boost or is oh, it? It was different. It was different in I was at a
1: different club. I was at a different club and different players. So it's a little bit different. So this is the next season, isn't it? This is the very, very next season. We've had the Champions League final last season and very much the personnel are pretty much the same. Um, so yeah, th- this is, this is a different thing altogether. Um, and it's, Listen, season to season, it's different. Yeah, there, there can be a psychological advantage. And I think if you see the way that Bayern have continued on their merry way, like they've kind of seen, teamly do uh, regularly, they've won more trophies since then. Whereas PSG, yeah, they've won the, the, the cup competition, but they're, 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 they're struggling in inverted commas for PSG in the league, even though they're, what three, I think it's three points off the top. And 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 that for them is a is a str- is not a great season because as we know they, they expect to to win the domestic league comfortably yeah three points behind Lille so they're not in the same place as they were last season PSG they're a little bit different so that's going to be the challenge for them um, maybe maybe they'll be feel like there's a little bit less pressure on them because of the fact that not particularly in great form Bayern have conquered everything. And, uh, and and it's Bayern really, it's, it's, it's Bayern have got a lot more to lose than PSG potentially.
0: Now, the other game that I'm really intrigued about for a certain reason is, of course, Dortmund taking on Man City, which is really Man City taking on Holland, And what could be, you know, I'm going to just be on Holland watch. You, you'd think there'll be a, a camera fixated on him the entire time. Just to, just to see if there was any um, interactions with Pep or, do you know what I mean? Be great. I,
1: I'm sure there'll be at least one camera on him, that's for sure. Um, I'm actually at the game for Optus Sport, so doing the Champions coverage, Manchester City with, uh, against Borussia Dortmund. Actually, Kevin Musket will be joining me as well. So, for any listeners out there, make sure you're tuned Optus to Sport to, to watch the coverage. Surely get Muskie be... on Two Sharp Reds, Mark. Just... I know. I'll have a word with him. Yeah, I'll have a word with him. That'll be a ripper. Um, you know what? I just think that Haaland against Manchester City is not enough. We're talking about an entire Manchester City side. No, it just won't be enough for Dortmund. You know, I'm not saying Harlan won't score. He can score, but I just, I just think Manchester City will be too strong overall. They're they're too good a side, too much, too much depth. Dortmund, are, again, domestically been inconsistent. Um, they're a bit all over the place. They've got an interim manager. Um, they've got the new manager coming in the off season. Uh, Marco Rose from, from München Gladbach, they They're, they're a side that they're a little bit, I mean, they're lost in the weekend at home to, to Eintracht Frankfurt. They're just a little bit, I think lost. So they're, we, we know that they're a selling club. They do produce a lot of good, unbelievable young players. They, they nurture them, bring them through. And then they, they always sell one or so every season or so, you know, to, to bring in balance the books, make a profit and and reinvest in the next one. And they do that very, very well. But they're kind of. They also there's a side of them that wants to be competitive to win the league, and they're a long, long way off winning the league. They really are. Um, defensively, they're 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 all over the place. Um, they're what are they? Twenty one points behind Bayern Munich, and and that's probably about fair. That's probably about right. That's probably how far they are away from winning the league. And, and let's not they're in fifth place, so they they're, they're still. There's at least another three teams in
0: front of them who have got a better chance to win the league than they have. Mark, let's talk wine uh, here on the two shot reds. It's got to that point. Uh, it's important yep. that we get to it. So I've gone for the Marera. Oh, Morema. M- easy, easy for some to say, huh? Easy for some, hard for others. But I've gone for the Marema yeah. Toscana from Italy. Oh, loved it. What, honestly, top 10 on the two shot reds for mine. That's, and that's a big call because we've had some reds. It's a top yep. 10 for me. Uh, where does your Napa Valley bottle shock come into things?
1: <laughs> it's, um, yeah, no, listen, I, I've really enjoyed it. It's a really nice wine. Um, has it shocked me? No, it hasn't shocked me, but the fact that the wine itself, steep, uh, Stag's Leap, shocked the world. Mm. Um, beat the finest Bordeaux in a legendary judgment of Paris in 1976. Um, one of the most collected wines in the world. It's a bit like the American Players, isn't it? They're mm. becoming some of the most sort of uh, collectible players that you can find on the planet right now. There seems to be this unbelievable generation of younger players coming through some produced within the U S others have been produced from a young age abroad. The one player I'm talking about is a player that's been produced abroad effectively. I mean, he went from a very, very young age. His dad played in Germany. He's found himself in Germany at at, uh, Borussia Dortmund. Um, And he's a really, really good, young, talented player, young, young player, still very, very, um, uh, well, I, I mean, he's actually getting a lot of experience, but I think, you know, he's still really, he's only his first full rule season where he's seen as more of a regular player, um, but a real talent and could certainly no longer shock the world, but certainly mm. um, ruffle some feathers moving forward. And, and the US particularly look like they're going to be a very, very good side going forward. And come the, the World Cup in 2026, 20, Tell you what, that's pretty impressive. The US side by that time, when, when you look at Tyler Adams at, at Leipzig, Giovanni Reiner, who I'm talking about, who I'm going to compare my wine with at Borussia Dortmund. Um, when you look at uh, Pulisic at Chelsea, yes, he's not playing at the moment that much and not playing as well as he po- probably has in the past, but will certainly, if not at Chelsea, somewhere find his feet again and, and, and will be very, very good. Um, I'm impressed.
0: Nice one, Mark. So my Maremma Toscana, um, it's the word described, which is the word that, um, I actually feel really comfortable with is it is an exquisite Italian red velvet tones, youthful statement of elegance, um, Mm -hmm. cinnamon tone, very persistent finish, but I'll be honest with you. It got worse. Whether it was at the back of the throat or whether it was towards the end of the glass, it, Had Its value was definitely declining, which was interesting because upon first exquisite sip, I was very impressed. So, exquisite Italian, velvet tones, whether it be in the style of their play or their look, mate, velvet and exquisite, unbelievable. A youthful statement. So certainly when this player was younger, their statement of elegance was through the roof could have been anything and was cinnamon tone. So there was that something a little bit different, you know, that, that went, Oh, this guy's got going on. He's got that extra little sprinkle of something, something persistent finish. Oh, some of these goals, he will just work and work and work. But unfortunately he's not youthful anymore. And the decline has been disappointing towards the end of his career. I've gone no. for Mario Balotelli.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't in the back end of his career, though, really, isn't it? He really should be still
0: playing. He should be, like, I know. flying. Yeah. Like, still should be flying. He's only quite young. Mark, thank you for another enjoyable episode of the Two Shap Reds. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you did, too. Strap yourselves in. And we said this last week, and I hope you're still strapped in, to be honest, because the football ain't going nowhere, my friend, and neither are you. I want you to sit on that couch of yours, that reclining, seven-foot-wide, ten-foot-long couch that you've got. Pour yourself a Shiraz and watch the football.
1: Well, no, I mean I'm not going to be sitting on the couch all the time, right? I'm going to correct you. So you know I'm going on Tuesday, I'm going to yeah, okay, I'm going to it, Manchester you. City yeah. uh, against Borussia Dortmund. And then on Saturday, I'm at Manchester City again against Leeds you in the City. Premier League. You early kickoff. City. So yeah, I I mean I will be sitting on the sofa for some of the weekdays, but the rest of the time I'll be traveling and, Does, and, and working at games.
0: Hang on though. Does the Eddie had have a couch? Because where were
1: you? No. You were at Old Trafford
0: when you had a couch, Yeah.
1: Maybe? Yeah. I might ask if they can get the couch brought across from Old Trafford, I'd have thought,
0: so. I'd have thought
1: yeah. so. All right. Yeah. I don't really think Man City fans would be too happy about that. Nor would oh. Man United players, fans. They'll be, right. They'll be
0: right. right. They'll be all right. Well, Mark, good luck and uh, love you Cheers, lots. Mate.
1: Yeah. I thought so.
0: Yeah. Love you, mate. See ya. Cheers. As I said, love ya. Happy Easter. See ya. later.
1: Yeah. See happy you, Easter to you. Um, yeah. Hope you had a great day. Happy Easter Monday.
0: Yeah, thanks. Yep, cool. Love you. See ya.